tuned into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 261 with Taylor Johnson. And in this episode, we talk about performance training for esports. So I was absolutely fascinated with this, but we dive into the cognitive load, how it's managed, whether Taylor runs a health and wellness program or whether it's a true performance program with his esport athletes and much, much more. But just before we do dive into this episode with Taylor, I just want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a free tool to be able to collect, analyze, visualize, and report date your athletes' data to coaches, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. Super, super interesting. So let, let's dive into demands that these guys go through. We've covered, covered off a few, well, not covered off, but mentioned a few in terms of travel, in terms of the cognitive load that these guys have been um, exposed to. But let's have a look at the, the kind of all-round day-to-day workings of these guys. What have these guys been put through from a physical, mental, emotional um, state? Sure. Yeah, I mean, typically, um, so we'll take, uh, we'll take the LCS uh, professional teams. That's uh, League of Legends. It's a five versus five deep strategy game. Um, it's it's kind of like the most badass game of chess you can think of, where the composition of the of the characters and um, what they're able to construct, you know, the compositions refer to the types of characters or the, the heroes that they choose for that match is very very methodical. Um, but typically, what they have is they have a like a starting roster and an academy team, so kind of like an A squad, B squad, and. They'll practice anywhere between two to three scrim blocks. So scrim blocks are their practice blocks, and those could be two to three hours in length. We'll do that pretty consistently every day. Their matches are, are on Saturday, Sunday. Um, and so what they'll do is they'll sometimes periodize their training. The more conversations I have with teams, they're starting to think about that a little bit more methodically. But they'll have you know two to three scrim blocks per day. Uh, they'll have an off day, like on a Monday. We'll just watch film. They'll have their analysts come in, but kind of break down the games and the tactics, what happened. Uh, but so you'll find that they'll come in, they'll start their days around like, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. They'll be sitting and competing or practicing for two to three hours. They'll have a break, they'll have lunch, they'll come back. And that's simply how the day goes. And most of these players will continue to play afterwards. They'll stream. So huge money in streaming the Twitch. And now Mixer is a big platform as well. So a lot of them have partners and um, you know sponsorship from outside of the team. That's how they're making a lot of their money as well. So they have obligations to stream at specific times during the day to get viewerships and to help promote the product that they're being sponsored by. So from a from a from a daily daily load, they're under a lot cognitively, physically. I mean, people will kind of balk at it for. For them sitting down but that's incredibly taxing when you have to sit for long periods of time and perform a very high cognitive output uh, nutrition wise um, a lot of teams are doing a better job they'll have in-house chefs depending on the training facility or back when they used to have gaming houses they'll have a chef come in and cook two meals a day for them so the so nutrition is getting better and then the emotional load this is one i always talk about with the teams and organizations is is giving them some time to breathe a lot of these kids, and they are just kids, come into this 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 fandom or this this fame rather. And you know, they're 17, 18 years old, they're now making six-figure contracts, they're playing tournaments for millions of dollars. 
And there's, it's not a very smooth transition into that. So now more and more teams are starting to think about how to balance out all these different stressors and factors to create a more uh, sustainable player development program. Just a couple of, well, there's loads of questions off the back of that, but we'll go with streaming um, to start with. So they're just playing online where people basically watch them playing and they're plugging a product every so many minutes or whatever because they're sponsored and people actually pay or donate to watch these guys play. Is yeah, that right? I, yeah, I feel about a hundred years old talking about this. No, it's, it's, that's it, man. It's, okay. it's crazy money in that. It's wild. It blows me away. And people like, you know, the whole donation or the, the, there's like gifting. And I mean, I've heard stories of, of players playing like a first person shooter and making like a trick shot, like a headshot off something. And, you know, Prince overseas, you know, some guy from like Abu Dhabi is like, Hey, great shot. Give him 50 grand. You know, like it's nothing. <laughs> it's like, wow. Uh, Class. Like, what am I doing? I should start streaming. Yeah. Wowza. So these, so these guys that get to their peak at whatever, 21, how long have they not only been playing? Have they been playing since like eight, seven? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll correct you real quick. I don't think they reached their peak at 21. Okay. I think that's just what's been what's been said. Yep. And I, I don't believe that at all. I think people's primes can go well beyond that. Um, I will say like, the way the structure set up, like cognitive burnout, like burnout is a very real thing. So when you ask them about their, why the careers are only two to four years in length, they'll say it's burnout. And that's when you have to start unpacking what that means to them, because it's not a physical burnout, it's a cognitive burnout. Um, so they'll start gaming when they're, you know, early teens. And it's, it's interesting because the question becomes, you know, we talk about specialization. So do you play a lot of different types of games or do you just play one game and specialize like Tiger Woods? You know, or are you like a Roger Federer where you're kind of like all over the place playing different games and then you slowly kind of fall into tennis, right? So that's, that's a big question. Um, that brings up a lot of interesting conversations around recruiting and talent identification and selection and what goes into that because right now it's lacking. So let's have a little dive into this this cognitive load. How are you guys, obviously, because it's such a big thing, how are you guys periodizing it? And how are you measuring what, like, how are you measuring this? Yeah, great questions. So, you know, with cognitive load, essentially what it is, is it's just allostatic load. So it's just understanding all of these other factors that are, that are triggering the system. And then the allostasis is your ability to adapt to that type of stress. And so being more methodical on how you set up your practice days, like, hey, you don't have to play the game six to eight hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day, every single day. So it may be as simple as creating, I pull a lot of my inspiration from my traditional background and working backwards from game day, you know? So it's like whether you do like a high-low and adapting that model to fit into the context of esports, of understanding high, high days and low days. So what does that look like? And what fills in the gaps? So you may have an eight hour work day where on one day it's, you know, two to three hours of, uh, you know, three scrim blocks that kind of make up that six to nine hour actual training day. And the next day you may have an hour, eight hour work day, but you're only practicing for two to three hours. And the rest of that's filled in with some sort of physical activity, some, some sort of derivative of the game itself. So that's one of the interesting things about state space what we do with that training platform is we're creating practice scenarios and derivatives of the competitive exercise itself or in this case competitive tasks 
right? So we're working backwards from what's happening in game and then creating specialized training scenarios for them to practice. So it's all about balancing different variables. It's all the same stuff, quite honestly. It's, it's volume, density, intensity, and frequency, and how you manipulate those variables on a day-to-day basis is going to give you the best outcomes. So just dive into that. Just explain that a little bit further, creating scenarios that they're going to be exposed to in-game. Yeah, so for instance, like I know the I know the first person shooters a bit better than I do with the other other games like the MOBAs, like the um, the Dota twos, which is another five versus five uh, strategy game in the League of Legends. Uh, but I've worked in all of them. Uh, but with state space, we specialize right now in the first person shooters. So for instance, there's different training maps that you can have, and as you navigate these maps, there's different types of skills you want to develop and. For first-person shooters, it really comes down to speed, precision, accuracy, and reaction time for hitting a target. And so you can come up with specialized training scenarios that can mimic uh, in-game performance. So if you want to practice your sniper shots, you, we have scenarios to do that. And we can also create maps that can mimic specific maps of in-game. So really, it's like if you have you know, football and you have small-sided games to mimic certain scenarios, it's the same exact thing. So what we're doing is just creating small-sided games and practice scenarios. So like in basketball, how you practice your free throw and your three-point shots, we do the same thing. So sorry sorry to mention it if, you, if you've covered it already and I've missed it while I've been taking a few notes. So if you were, if you were watching the NFL and you wanted to look at external load, you'd put the guys, you put the GPS on the guys back. Looking at internal load, you'd put a heart rate monitor on how yeah. are you is there any tech that you're using that's managed man, measuring the cognitive load that these guys are exposed to yeah so that's pretty tricky right now so that's one of the things we're really trying to look at so we have over a million users playing our game and tons of data points and we're capturing everything and that's one of the interesting things about gaming and esports is you're playing on a computer and therefore you can capture all of this data outside of like the biofeedback stuff, right? So a lot of the physiological data, heart rate, you know, perspiration, stuff like that, you can't necessarily capture, although, you know, I want to get to that point. So a lot of what we're looking at is starting to use subjective questionnaires and asking them post-task, you know, on RPE scale, like how was that? And just trying to get an understanding of per, per that individual on that day, with that amount that they experienced, whether it was, you know, the density of how many games they played per hour or how many games they played overall in that day, like how did that feel for them? So right now it's, it's kind of rudimentary and it's, it's actually accelerating once we start looking at different means of capturing that because we can look at, so you, you mentioned GPS. So same thing where you have, um, you know, extensive tempo, in uh, sprints, right? And you're looking at the amount of yardage covered within those relative speed zones. We could do something similar, but we're looking at, okay, well, how many actions, so density is like actions per minute. So how many keystrokes, how many clicks happen within this time frame? Nice. So is, is all this data, like accuracy data, et cetera, is it all provided by the game or is that something supplementary that you would provide then? It's all It's all provided by our game. So that's, I mean, our platform is super slick where as soon as you're done playing, it gives you instant feedback. It tells you your speed, uh, reaction time, your precision, your accuracy, uh, 
the AI component that's built into it will actually curate your training experience. So based upon, you know, once you play a certain number of times, it starts to learn your tendencies. And so it'll tell you whether you have deficiencies in your right or left side uh, field of vision, and it'll start to auto-populate targets in those areas to start to correct those deficiencies without you even knowing it. And then it'll start to recommend and suggest specific tasks to um, to really start curating to continue to push you to to excel and perform at your highest. This is absolutely wild. This is absolutely wild. Um, so let's let's talk about the the physical side of things because I've watched a couple of kind of documentary style videos of of with film crews in in the gym that when you're working with these guys. What kind of stuff are you doing with them? Is it like you said at the very start? Is it very much just a a health and well being? Um, program or is there something more specific that you're working on with these? Yeah, so I think you know, big picture, it's it's health and wellness. You know, I think one of the biggest the biggest opportunities that I, I never lose sight of is we have a phenomenal opportunity to promote health and wellness to millions of people worldwide through gaming. You know, who would have thought? And what it's doing is it's actually reaching millions and millions of individuals where they're at. So a lot of people play games casually and a lot of people would love to be a pro gamer on some level, or at least improve their performance. If they don't have aspirations to be a professional gamer, that's great. But a lot of them want to improve their ranking. It's a highly competitive environment. And so what I'm doing is really a Trojan horse. I'm saying, Hey, I can help you game better and I can improve your gaming performance. Oh yeah, and by the way, I'll teach you how to eat and to be healthy. And so that's always been an underlying theme for me, and that's what really drives me and excites me. Is I know I'm reaching millions of people with these programs and with this with this platform. And the hope is to get them all to think a little bit differently about their health and wellness and performance. And so when you think about addressing the individual who's an adaptive individual, right? It's really trying to think, okay, it's like the Charlie Francis watch the player, not the game. So you realize that they're sitting down for long periods of time. They typically have upper and lower cross syndrome. So forward head position, rounded shoulders, uh, their hips are super gummed down and tight. They, some of them experience low back pain, the glutes are shut off. So it's addressing that from a movement standpoint. Uh, from a nutrition standpoint, it's just understanding how to, how to manage insulin and cortisol because those are directly related. And so having foundational foods, understanding supplements, um, sleep and recovery, just, I mean, the lowest hanging fruit, no pun intended, is nutrition and then get them to sleep better. And that's, that's where we really start the conversation first and foremost. And then from the physical side, just really getting to, getting to, to move a little bit more. And then that'll slowly compound into getting into actual training. And I've had very good very good experiences with our academy teams and a lot of our pro teams who start off training two days a week and they're training three and then they're four and then they're in there you know five six days a week this is when i had a facility out here in frisco texas with the, with the organization that brought me out here we had an entire training facility dedicated for our players and we had guys that were coming in we had an all danish team that looked like freaking tight ends and wide receivers and they loved training. <laughs> they got after it man. and it was fun 
thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. As I said at the start, this episode number was 261, and you can check out the full episode on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I'll chat to you next time.